This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Happy Easter, everybody. Good to have you here with us today. You look good. You look good. You got the pastels going, right? Good to see you this morning. Look, if there's someone that's looking good around you and it's appropriate, let them know. Hey, you look good this morning. You look good. Would you help me welcome everybody too that's watching with us online, joining us from wherever you're joining? Let them know. We're glad that you're here. Come on, church. And then if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. If you have a paper Bible, let me see it. Any paper Bible people in the house today? I got a few of you. Any technology people, you got your, your device with you this morning, you're going to be following along? Yeah, I see that. Some of you got two devices over here. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll turn or click over to John chapter 20. And as you're turning there, I want to take you back to 1992, summer 1992. How many of you were alive in 1992? Few of you. How many of you were not alive in 1992? Okay, a few more of you. Wow. Well, uh, 1992 was the summer, Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge, along with Billy Ray Cyrus's achy, breaky heart, were burning up the radio, whatever floats your boat, I guess, right? Terminator 2, Judgment Day was in the theaters. You guys remember this movie? Terminator 2, like the CGI, the liquid metal Terminator. It was like blowing our minds, guys. I was 12 years old. It blew my mind. I wasn't supposed to see this movie because it was rated R, but I got to see it. Uh, the, the dream team, the original t- dream team with the actual goat, Michael Jordan, was in Barcelona, led by Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, were dominating uh, Olympic basketball on their, on their way to gold medal. And Josh was 12 years old, finishing up a family vacation on the beaches of Waikiki. Life was pretty good. Life was pretty good. It had been a, a great week, a lot of fun, a lot of sun. And it all kind of started at the beginning of my vacation when uh, we were walking by this little kind of tiki hut place and they had this blue boogie board in it. And I saw this boogie board and I had to have it. So I went to my dad. I said, dad, would you buy me this boogie board? And I've always been pretty good about convincing people to do things my way. So I talked him into like, if you get me this, I'm not going to bother you near as much as I will if I don't have it. So if you'll get me this, I'm telling you, I'll be in the waves, I'll be busy, you, you'll get to relax a lot more. And so he bought me the, the blue boogie board. And man, I, I dominated the waves with this sucker. I mean, I was in, I, I caught hundreds, maybe even thousands of waves throughout the week. Me and this boogie board got super close. In fact, I nicknamed this boogie board Old Blue. Somebody say Old Blue. And so you can, you, 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 you can kind of understand the, the, the shock that I experienced On the last day of vacation, when my father came up to me with a straight face and said to me, Josh, why don't you leave that boogie board here at the beach for some other kid to play with after we leave? Like there's no sense in you dragging that thing all the way home. Just leave it here. I don't know that I've ever been more offended in all my life. (laughs) The audacity of this guy, right? Can you believe this? But, you know, I'd I'd been in Hawaii after all, and he had pretty much fit the bill, not pretty much, he fit the bill for the whole thing. And so, you know, I I knew I was supposed to honor him because they had taught me that. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, honor your father and mother. I knew that scripture. So I, I began to try to explain to my dad why his advice was not going to work. Dad, this is my boogie board. I can't leave this here because it belongs 
to me. You can't ask me to leave old blue behind. It's mine. It has to go where I go. And then my dad began to explain to me that we live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there's not a lot of waves to catch in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's not a lot of waves to catch in Oklahoma, right? Outside of a couple of wave pools at a few water parks. And so he began to explain to me why I don't need this. What's the point of dragging this all the way home, thousands of miles back to Oklahoma, when you're not going to be, really be able to use it anymore? But again, it was mine, right? So I began to explain to him, Dad, it's got to go with me. And so I did. I drug it all the way home. It was my carry-on item. <laughs> drug it thousands of miles back to Tulsa where it, I placed it in my garage and it sat in my garage for years and years and years and years until finally one day somebody threw it away and it was gone. Now I tell you this uh, because the, the reality that I didn't understand in that moment that I think we need to understand is, is this, a lot of times the stuff that we don't need anymore, we let go of, Right? Like there are things that we have for a season of our life, but when that season is over, we typically kind of let that stuff go. For example, uh, Friday, I went to the movies with my kids and, and my wife, Sarah. We saw the new Mario movie, and at the movie, we got a bucket of popcorn. And when the movie was over, I didn't bring the bucket of popcorn home with me. I have no, no need for a cardboard bucket of popcorn in my home, so I let it go because its season in my life had come to an end. And back in December, uh, my wife ordered this kind of hutch thing that our TV goes on, and, and she told me about it, showed it to me, purchased it, and then it came in the mail. Well, little did I know, when it came in the mail, there was going to be some assembly required, right? And so it came in this big box, but I had to put this thing together, and so I spent a few hours putting it together. And, and when I was done, I didn't keep the box, I didn't keep the tools that it came with, I didn't keep the assembly instructions, I threw all that stuff away because its season in my life had come to an end. Uh, Sarah and I this summer will celebrate being married for 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, right. Good, good for us. Good for her. Okay. <laughs> but, but in that 20 years, we've, we've lived in five different homes across Oklahoma and Texas. And when we've moved from home to home, there's some stuff we take with us and there's some stuff we leave behind. Like I, I, when we move from one house to another, I don't bring the paint from the last house into the new house because we're moving into a new house and this is Sarah's new opportunity to do a whole new color scheme. So that paint is no longer of use to us. When we move from one house to the other, I don't bring the keys from the last house into the new house. I don't bring the warranties from the old appliances in and file them away in the new house. Like that stuff is done in my life. The season has come to an end, right? And so I, I tell you that because here we are, it's Easter. And Easter is a time that we celebrate that Jesus is alive, right? He's resurrected. And, and we hear people make statements like the tomb is empty. You've probably even heard us, you know, make that statement this morning. The tomb is empty. We celebrate that the tomb was empty. And yet it's interesting because what, we're gonna, what I'm going to show you today is in John chapter 20, in the text we're going to look at, it, it's like it goes out of its way to let us know that while Jesus wasn't in the tomb, the tomb actually wasn't empty. There was some stuff that that Jesus left behind in the tomb, and he left it behind in the tomb because it was of no use to him moving forward, because it was stuff that, that at one point it was useful, but now its season had come to an end, and now Jesus was moving ahead into new life. And I believe that Jesus was speaking to this through these things that he left behind to us to show us what we can now leave behind and what we can step into in this new life with Jesus. So let's look at this together. John chapter 
20. We're going to start in verse number one. As we look at this, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here today. You're with us. We, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate our resurrected Savior. And I pray, Lord, that you are a living and active God and that you would be living and active in this room. Active, speaking to people. I pray that there would be a resurrection of life in this room today. That you would resurrect people's purpose and vision and hope and, and joy, Lord. That you would, you would do a work that only you could do, Lord God. I thank you for what you're going to do today. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 20, starting verse 1, says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, this other disciple whom Jesus loved, this is talking about John, the author of this book. That's how he refers to himself throughout his book as the disciple Jesus loved. Pretty cute, right? And, and said to them, she said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Verse 3, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, John, again talking about himself, and were going to the tomb. Look at this, verse 4, this is kind of funny. So they both ran together. In other words, they, they started off at the same time. And then look at this, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. So, so, so this is funny. John is writing here about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he can't help but in talking about on their way to the tomb that he outran Peter in a race getting there. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? Just dudes being dudes. Verse five, and he, John, stooping down and looking in, saw. I want you to notice he saw something within the tomb. The tomb was empty of the body of Jesus, but there was something in the tomb. What was it? The linen cloths lying there. These were the... The cloths, these linen cloths that were wrapped around the body of Jesus after he had died. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went into the tomb. Because you know Simon Peter, he's going to go in. That's how he rolls. And he saw, so notice he, he saw something. The linen cloths lying there. And then we get another detail. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, Jesus' face. Not lying with the, the linen cloths, but notice this folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, this is talking about John again, who came to the tomb first, he's got to fit that in again, went in also, and look at this, and he saw and believed. What did he see? He, he saw what was there, and he saw what wasn't there. He saw that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, and he saw that the grave clothes were in the tomb, and based on that, he believed. What did he believe? He believed in the resurrected Jesus. He believed in the power of the resurrected Jesus. He believed in the new life that we see in Jesus. And it's amazing because it, it says here, like it goes out of its way. John, the writer of this, goes out of his way to, to speak about these things that were left behind in this tomb. And, and, and when he speaks about it, it, like what we see in the text is it's not like it was accidentally left behind or unintentionally left behind, but there's an intentionality to it. And I know this because it says that they were folded. Now, I, I'm not the, the old, you know, the smartest person in the room. I don't know at all, but I, do, I have learned this over my 43 years of life. Nothing gets folded by accident. <laughs> have you noticed this? If you don't believe me, just, just try it sometime. Go to your closet, grab a shirt out, start throwing it onto your bed, and see how many times it takes before it lands on your bed perfectly folded. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. 
Contrary to what my children believe, perfectly folded, put away clothes don't just happen. Folding takes intentionality, right? And this says that these grave clothes were folded. Now think about this. Resurrected Jesus, the first activity after he, he comes back into his body is to take these clothes off and to fold them and, and set them aside, now, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he lived a very purposeful life. Like everything Jesus did was with great intentionality, with great purpose. Like beyond what he just said, and we all know how purposeful he was with his words, he knew that everything he did would be examined and looked at for years to come. And so the fact that these clothes were put aside and folded the way that they were tells me that Jesus was saying something with this. So what was he saying? Well, let's, let's talk about these grave clothes for a little bit. Now, first of all, you have to understand, when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered greatly. Like, hopefully you know that. Jesus went through, like, so much when he went to the cross. In fact, in Isaiah, in chapter 53, prophesying about Jesus, 700 years before the Messiah would come on the scene, in what's called the atonement prophecy, Isaiah says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, what, what was, was placed on him something to make peace with God possible was placed upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus went through a great deal emotionally, physically, and spiritually on the cross. He suffered greatly. Let me, let me remind you of some of what he went through. Jesus, the Bible makes it clear that he was blindfolded and punched over and over again. He was spit upon. He had chunks of his beard ripped out. He was flogged. They, they, they tied him up to a post and stretched his back out very, in, a very, in a way that was very taut and tight. And then they began to flog him with this whip that had these leather strands. And the ends of each leather strand were pieces of glass and bone and metal. And this flogging was not to like sting his back. It was not to just kind of leave some whelps on his back. The Romans did this in such a way that as they would strike him with this whip, those, the pieces of glass and bone and, 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 and metal would sink into his back. And when they would pull on the whip, it would literally rip chunks from his back, exposing nerves and causing great blood loss. In fact, 60% of people died of the flogging alone in Bible times. After this is over, uh, they give Jesus this 75 to 100 pound beam that he's to carry, this cross beam that he's to carry up this hill. The Bible makes it clear that in the process of carrying that, he falls over and over again into the dirt on the road to the point that someone has to carry it for him because he, he hasn't slept, he's, he's lost all this blood, he's probably in this terrible state of shock at this point. Once they get him to the top of the hill, his arms are stretched out onto this cross and nailed, his feet are pushed up underneath him. And so he's in this kind of state of being stretched and yet cramped, which causes him as he's elevated into the air to have to live in this state of either pushing up on the wounds in order to catch his breath or suffocate. And for six hours, Jesus suffers like this. For six hours, he goes through hell on earth until he dies. So I want you to imagine something for a moment. Like imagine the body of Jesus at this moment, the blood on his body, the spit on his body, the dirt on his body. Like Jesus is in this terrible state and he does all this for us, right? John chapter 19, talking about the next thing that happens, says this in verse 40, 
taking Jesus' body after he dies, two of them, this is talking about Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. These are the grave clothes. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial custom. So, so here's what's going on here. Uh, by the time Jesus actually dies, there's only about three hours left until the Sabbath begins. Once the Sabbath begins, no one's supposed to be working. All work is supposed to cease. And so these guys are kind of quickly trying to prepare the body as best they can, but they have to make a quick job of preparing this body so that it can be put away until it can be more uh, prepared in a, in, a, in a greater way. So they, they take his body, they wrap it up in these spices, in these linen clothes, and they place it into the tomb, knowing that somebody's going to have to come along and do a better job of this. And this is why Mary and the other women are showing up on the third day to, to better cleanse the body and prepare Jesus for burial because they do not believe he is going to be resurrected. So, so back to the grave clothes. What are these grave clothes? They're these clothes that have been wrapped around that body of Jesus. So these grave clothes for two days have been soaking up the blood and the spit and the dirt and the stink. And now they, they kind of are a symbol of the suffering that Jesus has gone through. And so Jesus, we know on the third day, he's resurrected. And what does he do? He takes off these clothes stained with the symbolism of his suffering and he sets them aside. Why? Because they are of no use to him anymore moving forward. He takes them off and he leaves the dead wrappings where dead wrappings belong. He leaves the dead things where dead things belong in the tomb. And he walks out into new life. I love this about Jesus. Jesus wasn't sentimental with his suffering. Jesus wasn't sentimental with the sin that had been placed upon him. Jesus was willing to let that stuff go so that he could step out of that stuff and step into the new life that is now available to us. And make no mistake about it, now because of what Jesus has gone through, because he went through all that suffering, because he suffered like he did, and because he beat death now, we through him can be resurrected to new life and we can leave behind the grave clothes. We can leave behind the dead stuff and we can step into the new life that Jesus offers us. Jesus offers you today new life. But beyond that, he also, he also offers you a new identity. You can have a new identity through Jesus Christ. In fact, it's interesting. It, remember it said in verse seven that there was this handkerchief that was, that was wrapped around his head, his face, that he takes it off, he sets it aside, and he folds it. And, and you think about it, you know, a face, why, why does he do this? Well, a face is typically something that we, we use as a, a way to identify someone, isn't it? Like you, you probably heard Pastor Jackson say it earlier, you come out in the lobby and we want to meet you so we can put a name to a face. I, I have people do this to me all the time. They'll come up to me and they'll, they'll say, hey, do you know this person? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, at this point in New Song Church, we got over a thousand people coming every weekend. I don't know everybody. So I'll say, no, I'm not sure if I know them. And they'll go, well, let me, let me show you. And they'll pull up Instagram or Facebook and they'll show me a face. And I'll go, oh yeah, I've seen them. Because now I can put a name to a face. Because a face represents our identity. It's why we put it on our driver's license. It's why we put it on our passports. It's why when somebody gets arrested, they take a mugshot because a face represents our identity. So in this moment, what does Jesus do? Jesus, I think, is speaking to this idea that now because of what he has done, what they, how you see yourself, how you identify yourself, how somebody else may identify you, all of that can be folded up, put away, and left where the dead stuff goes because now you have new life through Jesus Christ. 
You can have a new life through Jesus. You can have a new identity through Jesus. And here's what's so beautiful about it is the work to accomplish all this, it's done. Like you don't have to try to accomplish this in your own strength and your own ability because Jesus accomplished it for you. In fact, it's interesting. You know, in the, in the Old Testament before Jesus, in order for a person to be right with God, in order for the people to have their sins dealt with, it, it, was, a, it was a complicated process. And part of what they would do is there was, a, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. This was the place that housed the presence of God. And it was one place in the world, and it was the only place where the presence of God resided. Now, today, because of Jesus, we can become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We can be a, a place where the presence of God lives. But back at, before Jesus, that wasn't possible. And so one day a year, a guy called the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and, and there would be a blood sacrifice that was made, and he would pour out that blood sacrifice on what was called the mercy seat. And the sacrifice was poured out to cover the sins of all of the people. So it, it was kind of good, but it wasn't great because, see, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, think about it like this. If you have like a large credit card bill and you have to pay it off, but you can't pay it off. So what do you do? You make the minimum payment and it, it kind of, you know, sustains you for a bit, but it never really deals with the overall debt. This is kind of what it was like in the Old Testament. Your sins were covered, but they were never really dealt with. It only kind of just covered them up. And so the high priest would, would have to prepare himself to go into the presence of God because God is holy. And so he'd have to go through this long cleansing process and he'd have to put on these, these special clothes that were made of linen. And he would go in, he would pour out the offering, and then it was over. He would take off these linen clothes and that symbolized that the sacrifice had been made, that the debt had been paid, at least covered at this point. So what does Jesus do? It's just amazing because Jesus, he functions as not only the sacrificial lamb, but as the great high priest. And he goes before the Lord and he presents his own blood to the Lord. And after he's resurrected, he takes off the linen clothes. And it's his way of saying the work has been done. The sacrifice has been accomplished. Isn't that good? Let me take it a step further because we all know Jesus was a carpenter, right? Jesus was the son of Joseph, and when you grew up in a, in a Hebrew home, you would take on the trade of your father. Joseph was a carpenter, so Jesus was a carpenter. And in Bible times, when someone was commissioning a, a project to be done by a carpenter, they would come in, they would say, I want you to build me this chair, I want you to build me this table. Whatever it was, the carpenter would take on the project and he would begin to work on it. And as he worked on it, he would have a cloth that he would have with him. He would use this cloth to wipe off his forehead from sweat. He would use it to wash his hands. He would use it on the project to maybe stain the project, wipe away glue, wipe away sawdust. It would be used throughout the project so it would soak up some of the stains of the work that was being done. And when the project was complete, the way that the person who commissioned the project to be done would know it was complete is the carpenter would fold up that towel, they would put it on top of the project, and it was a way of saying, the work here is done, and you can take it home with you. So again, what does Jesus do? He takes these clothes, he folds them up, and it's his way of saying, the work I was commissioned to do by my Father, Father God, is done and complete, and you can now take it home with you. What can you take home? Salvation. New life. New identity a connection with God. Now you can take that home. The work is done. It's been accomplished. So guess what? Because the work is done, you know what that means? You don't have to do the work. And let me just tell you something. You can't do the work. In your own ability, apart from Jesus, you can't accomplish this. 
It can't be accomplished in your own doing. You need Jesus. You need to go through him in order to be right with God. It can only be done through you. In fact, the Bible says this in Isaiah 64, 6. When we display our righteous deeds, in other words, when we try our best to do this in our own strength, to do this in our own ability, to get our right standing with God in our own ability, look at what it says. It says they're nothing but filthy rags. In other words, our best efforts are like those grave clothes. They only serve the purpose to try to preserve and cover up the stink of a life that is already dead and rotting away. Your best efforts, you on your own, trying to make yourself right before God, are just efforts to delay the inevitable, to delay and preserve a life that is already dead and that cannot be saved. But Jesus made a way. Jesus made it possible for you to put away your works and you to take up his work and clothe yourself in his righteousness. Ephesians 4 says it like this, verse 22, put off concerning your former conduct. In other words, take off that old stuff, that old dead stuff, put that stuff away. The old man which goes corrupt, grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man. You can put on new life. You can put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. God is calling you today to put off the old rags, to put off the old ways, to put off the old dead stuff, to leave the dead stuff in the tomb where dead stuff belongs, and to put on the new life that Jesus offers you through his, or that God offers you through his son, Jesus. Because Easter, because Jesus is alive, you can do something amazing. You can leave the dead stuff where dead stuff belongs and you can take up the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So here we are at this moment, it's Easter, right? And Easter's this incredible moment where we like, like Peter and John can look into the tomb and we can see what's there and we can see what's not there. And so my question to you is, as we're here at Easter 2023 is, when you look into the tomb, what do you see? And what are you taking home with you? I love that when John looked in, he recognized what wasn't there and what was there. And, and because of that, he believed. He believed in the resurrected Jesus. I, I love that John didn't try to grab a hold of the grave clothes and cling to those. He left those where Jesus left those. He left the dead stuff where the dead stuff belonged. And he only took out faith in God, faith in Jesus, faith in the completed work of Jesus through the cross. My question is, what are you walking away with? I think so often, you know, we live in Oklahoma. You've probably grown up around church or at least heard about the things of God before. You're probably not new to the story of the resurrected Jesus. But the reality is we live in a world where in spite of that, we can grab a hold of some dead stuff and get wrapped up in it. Maybe you've wrapped yourself up in the, in the idea of like dead religion, that you got to Make yourself right before God. You got to do it in your own effort. You got to cross all the T's, dot all the I's, check all the boxes. And if you do enough good stuff, your good efforts will be enough to get you to a place that's right with God. Listen, your good works are never enough. And that's not what Jesus offers you today. That's not what God offers you, my friends. That's not the resurrected life that Jesus wants you to grab a hold of and walk away with. He offers you something better. His completed work, his finished work, his ability to overcome death, not your own. Maybe you know about the story of the resurrected Jesus, but, but because of you know, the circumstances of your life and the mistakes that you've made, you've become wrapped up in your failures. 
and you're wrapped up in all of the things that you've done wrong and your anger and the mistakes that you've made. And now because of that, you see yourself as someone that God could never really love. God could never really use me. God could never really have a, a purpose for me because I've made so many mistakes. Listen, your mistakes are not greater than a God who overcame the grave. My friends, if that's what you're believing, I want you to know that's not the resurrected life that Jesus offers you today. Maybe you, you've peered into the, the grave before and you've seen resurrected Jesus or you understand that he's alive, but, but you've also wrapped yourself up in, in the hurt and the pain of your circumstances. And you're so bound by some of this stuff. You're bound by anger. You're bound by hate because of what somebody's done to you. You're bound by this pain of who wasn't there for you that you're so bound up in that you know that you're not walking in the freedom that God offers you. I want you to know, my friends, Jesus offers you something so beautiful. But what we do so often is we, a lot of times we live like I was living with that boogie board. But, but this is mine. This is my pain. This is my hurt. This is my anger. This is my fill in the blank. It has to go with me. It has to go where I go because, because it's mine. Well, I believe this. I believe that God sent me to tell you today. Jesus sent me to tell you today that no, it doesn't have to go with you. Jesus made it possible so you could leave dead things where dead things belong. And you can step forward into the new life that God offers you through Jesus. So I want to encourage you, listen, don't be a grave robber. Don't, don't look into the tomb and grab a hold of the dead stuff and pull that out into the life Jesus offers you. Leave the dead stuff where it belongs and take up the new life that Jesus offers you. Step into the new life that he wants you to experience. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I just thank you for this Easter and for this message of hope that we found, find through Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you overcame death. You overcame the grave and you overcame sin. Well, we know that on, at the cross, you didn't just suffer physically for us, but, but all of the sin, all of the wrath of God for all of the sins that would ever be done were poured out on you all of the sins of the billions of people who would live in the past, in the present, and in the future, it, all of it was placed on you and it died with you on the cross and it was buried in the tomb. And so Lord, we thank you that it can be left there, that we can grab a hold of the new life that we can have in Jesus and we can step forward into the new life. Lord, we thank you that the, the, the message of Easter is that there's no obstacle in our life that's greater than what you can do, that if you can overcome the grave, if you can overcome death, you can overcome anything that would try to get in between us and God. And so Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for this finished work, this completed work, this incredible work that offers us new life, a new identity and an incredible connection with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. I want every head up, every eye looking around. Maybe you're here today and you don't really know this Jesus I speak of. Now, when I say that, at one point in my life growing up, I grew up in church. I had parents that were in ministry and I was a preacher's kid at a church with like thousands and thousands of people. And I was known in this church. I had a reputation in this church. But if I'm being totally honest with you, I didn't know God myself. I didn't know this Jesus. I was kind of riding the coattails of my parents' religion, but I never really truly surrendered my life to Jesus. I had kind of made Jesus my savior, but not my Lord. In other words, I didn't want to go to hell, but he wasn't really 
the Lord of my life. He wasn't calling the shots. I was calling the shots. Because of that, guess what? My life was a wreck. I was full of pride and anger. And early on in my marriage to Sarah, our marriage was falling apart. My life was falling apart. And it was from that place that I called out to the Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so from that place of of getting to the end of me and recognizing my ways don't work, it was from that place that I called out to Jesus. And, And you would think that he might be like, oh, now you're turning to me. But that's not what I found. I found that when I took a step towards him, he came running to me. As a father runs to his child, he ran to me and he began to set my feet upon a rock and gave me a new song. And that's why this God I came to know, that's why I can't help but tell you about him. Because the story he's written in my life, I believe is a story he wants to write in your life. And you need to know this this God I serve. And not just know him from a place of information shit, but know him and walk in relationship because that's what I found. And it's too good to keep to myself. And so if you're here today and you would say, man, I I don't know this Jesus like you know him. Maybe at one point you lifted your hand in a service and you prayed a prayer, but you're being honest and you're going, man, I'm not living a life surrendered to Jesus. He's not my God. He's my Savior, but He's not really my Lord. But I want to change that today. I look around this place and I see people on fire and I see people dancing and singing and rejoicing and I see something here that's interesting and I want more of that. If that's you today, I want to invite you to know the God that I know. I want to invite you to step into real relationship with Jesus. Maybe at one point you were close to God, but you've drifted away. And you know today that you're not right with God. And you would say today, my way isn't working. And you know there's got to be something more. If that's you today, with every head up and every eye looking around, I'm going to count you down here in a moment. If that's you and you say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want to make him the Lord of my life. If that's you, When we count down from three to one, I want you to lift up your hand proudly for all to see. You ready for this? Help me count down. Ready? Three, two, one. Hands up. Let me see him. Yes, hands up all over the room. So good. Praise God. Praise God. Yes. So good. All right, church. We're so proud of you guys. Thank you. What an incredible step you're taking. And man, I'm telling you, there's so much for you. It's so exciting. And so we're, we're gonna pray a prayer together. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer because the Bible says you confess before, uh, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that you'll be saved. And so begin this new process of stepping into this new relationship, this new life that God has for you. And, and church, since we're agreeing with what they're doing, let's all pray this together. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess I've sinned and I need a savior and I can't be my own savior. But I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to be because Jesus came and he died for me and he was resurrected so that I could be resurrected to new life through him. So Jesus, I give you my life my past, my present, my future, my all. From this day forward, I'll follow after you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Yes. So good. You sense the presence of God in here today, the love of God. 
I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come down at this time. If you were one of those people that lifted up your hand, I wanna encourage you to, to take one more step before you leave today. And that is to come down and let one of these guys know. And, and really, we don't, we don't wanna bother you or do anything weird, I promise you that, but there's just more for you. And there's more steps and more things that we wanna do to help you. In fact, next week we're doing water baptisms. We'd love to get you connected with that so you can get water baptized, so you can take another step in professing this God as your God, that he's your Lord and your Savior. Uh, we got a book we want to put in your hand, just some resources to help you to begin to step into this life and, and being a disciple of Jesus, being transformed into his image and bringing his kingdom into this world. It's, it's amazing, and we want to help you with that. And also, if you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, I, you know, Pastor Jackson said this at the beginning, we've been praying for you, and we've been praying for Easter weekend. And one of the things we've been praying is we've been praying that God's going to do some miracles. We believe that God wants to heal some people. We believe that God wants to set some people free. We're, we're just crazy enough to believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe what he did in the Gospels. And he did some pretty miraculous stuff in the Gospels. He still wants to do today. And let me just tell you, church, we're seeing him do it. God's at work in this church. We're seeing people heal. We're seeing marriages restored. We're seeing lives turned around. And, 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 if, and he loves you just like he loves everybody else. And if he'll do it for anyone, he'll do it for you. So if you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, we have a saying here at New Song Church. If you know it, say it with me. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Because you matter to God. He loves you. And so if there's something that you came into this place with today, don't leave with that stuff. If there's something that's heavy, that's a burden that you're carrying, don't, don't, don't go out of the door with it. Leave it. Leave the dead stuff where dead stuff belongs and step out into the new life with freedom and everything God has for you. We want to pray for you and we're believing God for miracles today. So if that's you, don't leave today without receiving prayer. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a time of worship and, and we're not done. Don't, don't disconnect. Don't be thinking about your, your Easter egg hunts and your lunch yet. Like just, just give God one more moment here. And let's just take a moment. Let's just worship our Jesus for what he's done. And if you have a prayer need of any kind, I want to encourage you, you can go ahead and start making your way out of the, down the aisles and towards the altars. Lord, I thank you for the resurrected Savior that we serve. God, I'm so grateful, so grateful for who you are and who you want to be in our life. And I thank you, Lord, that you care about every person in this room and you care about their needs and you want to help them today. So I pray that everyone in here who has a need would step out in faith so they can receive what you have for them today. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.